Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode is about being under pressure. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone else that's listening. So, Jeff, you mentioned offline that we typically find some way to weave music into every single podcast episode. And I know this is going to be probably the record for the soonest we did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. One of my favorite songs of all time, Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. I know Queen gets the credit as being the artist, but David Bowie was on that song mm-hmm. as well. So today, Under Pressure, Jeff. Yes. What are we talking about with being Under Pressure? Well, under pressure is just all the the things that we face as we go through life. You know, sometimes there are things that uh, the world's throwing at us, the family's throwing at us. Sometimes it's things that we throw at ourselves. But it's all these things that just keep adding up until you just feel this pressure building. So that that's under pressure for me. I know some of you out there in the audience may be wondering, well, Eric and Jeff, we know what, what it means to be under pressure. We're living in 2020. Come on. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. So I think this is an equal opportunity situation or circumstance, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people, all of us at some level in 2020 have felt under pressure. So um, I know there are no silver bullets, Jeff, um, but maybe let's take the audience through some steps and through some maybe understanding so that right. they can get a better idea about what maybe they can do, mm-hmm. right, uh, to, I don't know, is relieving the pressure a good way to say it? or Relieving the pressure or figuring out how to not let it build up. Um, I think both of those are important. Okay. When I think esteem, um, and 
I wasn't born in the 1920s to know what the 1940s would have looked like. But I think of these, I think of steamships, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and sometimes I even think of like from the military perspective, right. you know, those giant ships that are on the Atlantic Ocean, that uh-huh. kind of thing. So is there something about that that we could maybe sort of weave in to compare or yeah. or am I off there? No, let's, let's go back one step about something that we're probably all been exposed to with with steam is a teapot, tea kettle. You know, you you want a, a cup of tea, so you take the water, put it in the tea kettle, right. set it on the stove, and it boils finally. Um, and you see the steam coming out, and then when it gets to full boil, you hear the the whistle, the the noise that it makes, so that you know it's um, at boil. Um, Jeff, let me ask you. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a nerd. So what's the typical temperature when water gets to that? <laughs> okay. At sea level with pure water, it's 212 degrees or 100 degrees Celsius for our friends overseas. So, right. so I, you know, it gets me thinking about when we start to feel it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it gradual or is it you wake up and boom, it's 212? No, it starts out gradual. Uh and just keeps building and building or getting warmer and warmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing about the tea kettle is it it won't blow up because it's constantly releasing the pressure from the steam. So all it's doing is steam is almost a byproduct of, of what you want to have happen. But then you mentioned um, like a, a, a warship. Mm-hmm. That's military hardware has been a, a hobby of mine since probably I could read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to use an example of a typical U.S. destroyer from World War II. Okay. Uh, it's about a 3,000-ton ship, and they used steam power to produce the, the power that they needed, you know, and then ran it through turbines to drive the propellers. Uh, it was called superheated. So these boilers did not release the pressure uh, until it got to a certain temperature, and it was very high temperature – and very high pressure because the higher the pressure, the more heat it takes to cause the water to boil. Mm-hmm. So these were under 600-pound pressure, and they are actually operating about 850 degrees. And what that allowed them to do is make them more compact. It also allowed them to produce a lot of power. In this case, this uh, World War II American destroyer produced about 60,000 horsepower. Oh, my goodness. Which was enough to drive that 3,000-ton ship about a little bit over 40 miles an hour, 34, 35 knots. And it was very good for economy, uh, but there was a drawback. If that setup, that boiler, was not constantly monitored or kept in good shape, bad thing would happen. It could explode. Hmm. And because it couldn't relieve the pressure, and it would just build and build and build until the, the pressure inside was more than the the boiler can hold, and it would explode, so obviously it would quit working, and that would usually kill everybody in the engine room because you've got this 850-degree superheated steam coming out. So to me, that's kind of what is happening to us today. We're we're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. We're under a lot of heat from all the things that are happening, and we get superheated until finally <laughs> our boiler explodes. You know, it's interesting to me, you know, as you were describing that with the, uh, with the ship, is that 
some engineer or engineers, or maybe that is not the mm-hmm. role that played yeah. in it, but uh, it seems like they used the thing that could absolutely destroy a lot. They leveraged that to create a win or a success. Right. You know, I, it, it's kind of a weird dichotomy to me. The very thing that could really, really be bad was used for something really, really good. Yeah, uh, until it got out of control. And we can use these – like if you have a a project at work that's Mm -hmm. putting you under pressure, if you use that pressure correctly to motivate you, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing. So give us an example of of that, Jeff. I mean when I think about it, I I go – um, you got to catch it in time, and and you got to you got to look at it as this resource for you mm-hmm. for yourself. So maybe if you could kind of describe what's an example of doing that. Um, it could be okay. This project is going to be done by Friday. Okay. So okay, I can handle that extra pressure on Friday. You know, then we'll be done, and I can move on. Or if it's going to be long term, you might want to think about what are the benefits of this going to be? What are the end results going to be? Are they going to be worth it to be under this pressure? Yeah, and, it's interesting. Um, I, I'm thinking about my son right now, um, who uh, my wife and I say he's notoriously the procrastinator and wait till the last minute to get it done. And we've talked to him about this kind of same thing about, you know, when you wait until the very last moment, you position yourself where you're going to increase your level of stress and anxiety. So why not go back a couple of days so you can have some room? I wish I could help you with that, but I'm in his tribe. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. I get it. I get it. All right, everyone. You heard it here. Jeff is a, uh, he's in the procrastinator tribe. See, he's so lucky he has me as a partner. Um, So, the reality, though, is that, uh, and and I, I, in all seriousness, when you say that, I I, I think my son is wired to that. Now, mm-hmm. I could you know debate with him and get on his case on and on and on, but that's not going to help him, <laughs> and I don't think it's going to turn him into somebody different. So, at the same time, I struggle because I don't want to see him experience the stress that I know comes with waiting to the last minute. Because where I was going with this is that you were mentioning about the projects due on Friday. Mm-hmm. And what happens if you say, okay, I'm going to get this done on, on Tuesday so that I got a buffer of Wednesday and Thursday. And when Friday comes along, I'm, I drop it and I'm done mm-hmm. versus uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then I look up and it's like Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock or something. All-nighter time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you believe certain people are just wired to handle that kind of pressure or is it or is it something different? I think some people are wired mm-hmm. for that. Yep. Um because they, they thrive on the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um but then I think other people um, maybe don't want closure on a project. Is that a little bit of a fear thing kicking in? Yeah, if if when I complete it, I'm going to have to turn this in, and I'm going to get judged. One way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's interesting um, because um, I don't know if you knew this about me, Jeff, but um, some, some time ago, you knew I was a musician. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's one of our common grounds. Um, you know, I used 
write songs and poems, right? And I've started doing that again. Uh, and I had a f fellow musician friend in uh, North Carolina who uh, said, um, hey, you know, we've got the equipment. If you want to send over the songs, we can see what comes out of it. And initially I was like, well, yeah, that'd be great. And then after I got off the phone with him, I'm going, but then I have to let him see the songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I could feel the pressure, Jeff. Yes. And I did. I, I procrastinated. I Excuse me, I can spit that out. Procrastinated a bit with him uh, until I got to a point where I'm thinking, he's probably wondering, why hasn't he sent it over? <laughs> so I finally did, Jeff, right? And afterwards, I could feel it. I, was, I, I got into this mode of, I wonder if he thinks they suck. I wonder if he goes, <laughs> oh, my gosh, how do I tell Eric these are not really good? So I could feel that pressure, right? Uh -huh. So I could understand if somebody's like, well, I'm just, you know, oh, I'm going to – maybe I'll tell somebody that I won't have it done until next Friday or something like that. Right. Was that kind of where you were going? I know not the songwriting thing, but just yeah. this idea of judgment and, and when it's complete. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Man, oh, man, oh, man. All right. So – um, this is probably going to require a two-part episode, mm -hmm. uh, which would be maybe a first in the land of Spirit of EQ podcast, because this is this is a pretty deep subject. I mean, you and I have talked about some things that are fairly light, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, they're they're important and they illustrate. Um, Jeff, if you had to think, and I and I have some in my mind, but if you could look at what you've seen in 2020, and I I, I would say maybe even. You know, go to what have you observed in other people that you would say would be pressure? What are some of those things that come to your mind? Well, there, there's some of them that are pretty obvious. Uh, uh, economics, you mm -hmm. know, am, am I going to have enough money to pay the rent? Am I, you know, going to be able to get food this week? Or uh, when this is over, am I still going to have a job? Because, you know, they're working under less staff and finding out they can do it. So will I be able to, you know, go back to work? Yeah. Uh, I'm stuck here with my family. Mm. <laughs> uh, my wife and I experienced this. We were kind of going crazy because part of our weekly date night thing is there's a little greasy spoon diner that we like to go eat and then see a movie because mm -hmm. they're right next to each other. And yep. we couldn't do that for the longest time. And, and it, that was telling. It, I mean, it's just moving in a, a di in dinner, but it was part oh, of our Jeff, I, I I'm sorry. I, I think yeah. it's more than a movie and dinner. Yeah, it's it's what we did. Yeah. We You know, yeah. it was something we got out, we did together. There's things like that. Uh, People are just now starting to go back to church, and I don't care how good a job you do church through Zoom, it's not church. <laughs> yeah. You know, Which kind of brings to the other part, right, that Zoom, right? Zoom that is— we're, I mean, there's so many people that that's all they're doing because there are no—typically not a lot of in-person meetings anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the biggest uh, pressures is, am I going to get sick? Is somebody I know going to get sick? You right. know, my parents are eighty years old, and mm -hmm. they don't want to wear a mask, and they're going to do whatever they want to do because they're eighty years old. I don't want them to die. Yeah, you know. So you have those kind of pressures on top of all the normal pressures we have in this world. That would be uh, normal to life living, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I I think about uh, I had this um, you know the other day talking with my daughter about. 
I'm all for the the research, the finding a vaccine, therapeutics, hospital being in a state of where they can handle numbers of people. Mm -hmm. My great concern is, have we put so much attention on that that we took our eye off of a ball for like mental health, uh, some of those family issues that are not so good uh, as in abuse? Um, I, I know some might say, but we have to figure out this virus, right? Mm -hmm. I, I get it. But I have enough experience with some of those things that I mentioned. Those don't just get fixed with a vaccine. It's it's almost like is the cure worse than the disease? Yeah, yeah, kind of that. And and I know that um, you know we're going to talk about it a, a little bit later on, uh, specifically in episode two. But um, thinking about well, how do we how do we how can we be well even when the circumstances don't maybe allow for it on the face of it. Because where I was going to go, you mentioned something. Um, when a person encounters this pressure that you've described, mm -hmm. right, what are some of the ways, and maybe we'll go into talking about the emotional intelligence, the power we have with mm -hmm. that, what are some ways that you could do like that, that ship, take that pressure and leverage it to help you? Okay. Well, one of the things with that ship that you, the, they could do is keep moving, keep mm. keep doing something with that steam. Uh, as long as they, as long as the ship was moving and and doing all this stuff, they would you know there wouldn't be as much pressure building up. That is very powerful, Jeff. That's really uh, really powerful. One of the things that I've done uh, in this is uh, there's a a service called uh, Skillshare. Mm-hmm. You pay so much, and it's got thousands of little video lessons. Yeah. And I've been doing that. Uh, I did a creative writing one. I've done some photography ones. Uh, so it's giving me something to do. So your analogy there, at least it communicates to me that if we stop, and I, I, I almost that's almost akin to isolation, mm -hmm. to being frozen— we invite maybe that explosion? Yeah. On Go back to that the ship analogy. The biggest or the most dangerous time for that boiler to explode was when they come to a sudden stop because, you know, you've got the, the fuel going in and it's, it's everything is right. literally cooking. And if the relief valve didn't open, it would explode. That was one of the, the things that they always had to make sure was working correctly. Mm. It would let that steam out yeah. and – everything would, would stay in the safe limits. But if that was messed up, if you didn't have that relief valve, which is kind of what we're talking about, what can we do to relieve that pressure, yep. you know, it's not going to be good. At the very least, it's going to damage things. If not, it could be a catastrophe. A catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think it's just, it's really, really powerful, the, the analogy of that. Um, so as we start to maybe look at some of the competencies mm -hmm. uh, that we focus on right. at Spirit of EQ. Um, what are some things that you can glean from maybe some of them, maybe all of them? Yeah, I, I think there's something from each one of them that can help you through this. Okay, all right. Well, I'll let you go ahead and kick okay. that. Um, and I'd like to start with just a reminder to our listeners. We did an episode about each one of these uh, competencies in some of our very early ones, and they're yeah. still available. So if, if one thing 
if something strikes a chord with you, music again, sorry, <laughs> uh, if something strikes a chord, you can go back and get a little bit deeper dive into these with our earlier podcasts. That's a great call out. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay, so the first one we talk about is you know enhancing emotional literacy, which is basically understanding and recognizing the feelings you're having. You know, mm-hmm. what, what is this emotion that I'm feeling? And what is it telling me? If, if you're feeling anxiety, okay, I can name that. And then I can look and see what is it that's causing me to be anxious? What is, you know, uh, causing this feeling of, you know, vibration almost? So in, in that case, um, because I know that the emotional literacy thing, um, it, it has a it has a broad spectrum, but, mm-hmm. but specifically to being under pressure. Um, Jeff, what if somebody out there says, "But I don't want to think about that. I don't. I don't want to." You know, almost like it's like if I say it, then does that mean I'm giving into it? You know, I've always heard this: if you can name something, you can start controlling it. You have some ownership of it. So if you can say, "I am feeling anxious." That's really the only way you can work on not feeling anxiety or doing the things you need to do to change or, you know, you that anxiety may stay with you, but now you understand where it's coming from and you go, that's normal. I mean, I should be feeling anxious. Because that ticks me back again to your analogy with the ship is that if you name it, that's a form of being in motion. Mm-hmm. It's it's proactive, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if I if I if I'm trying to pretend that it's not there, if I don't want to visit that, I'm moving myself to a place where I'm going to be in a standstill. Right. Which causes that risk of the potential. Yeah. Okay. Got okay. it. So I think, so, you know, knowing knowing what you're feeling and mm-hmm. what it's telling you yep. is good. And then the next thing we want to talk about is recognizing a pattern. Mm. When this happens, do I always do that? You know, the when you brought up uh, procrastination, that's a pattern. Mm-hmm. When this is what needs to happen, I always do this. You know, I wait until Thursday and four, and yep. then have to pull an all nighter. So you start recognizing those patterns. And in what we're talking about with pressure, uh, when I'm under pressure, what do I do? Uh, mm. Do I shut down to want to talk to anybody? Do I uh, get angry with the people I'm quarantined with? Or so uh, let me ask you this, Jeff. Within that. Um, you know, 2020 has been a year like no other for most people, mm-hmm. right? And it's, you know, thinking about a friend and we exchanged emails and she asked me how I was doing. And at that time, I think I, my response to her was, I'm trying to get used to a world that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. So when people are going, well, Jeff, I haven't, I have never experienced a pandemic and that pressure of of a lockdown or that pressure of wearing a mask all the time or whatever the case may be, it's not something where we have to necessarily recognize it from the past, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it most important to just recognize that it's pressure? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. That's helpful Mm because I I think sometimes, you know, when we encounter something new, we might not be quick to connect the dots because Mm -hmm. it's new to us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's this recognized pattern is, okay, when I'm under pressure. Right. So I was under pressure five years ago. I was under pressure pre-COVID. I mm-hmm. mean, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's just recognizing what did you feel? What did you think in that time? And then you cannot start identifying what you need to do. Okay. 
Okay. Got to it. move ahead. Okay. So recognizing patterns and then consequential thinking. I think right now we need to think about the consequences of our actions. Uh, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, being able to go out and do things, mm-hmm. but then you have to balance that with what can happen. Yep. And decide that, okay, like I mentioned, we, we went to the, the movie theater and they were doing what they needed to do as far as what what they could do to mm-hmm. to keep your uh the danger of being exposed to covid down right uh they were sanitizing you know using some kind of a spray sanitizer thing in between every movie and uh you know there was always seats between the people yep uh silly things like if you got a hot dog, you didn't have the squirt bottle thing. You had little packets, and yeah. uh, they did not accept cash right now. So they, they, so there they were doing what they needed to do. So the consequences would be less than if I went, if my wife and I went there and they were operating normal. So mm-hmm. what are the consequences? Uh, you know, I, I I've heard of some people that really really needed to go to the doctor. But they were so scared of the COVID that they didn't and ended up getting very ill. Yes. So their consequences of not going to the doctor was worse than the consequences of possibly getting the COVID. I know there's an art around um, the slowing down mm-hmm. to give your the frontal part of your brain time to catch mm-hmm. up, our right. intellectual, right? Um, this is the thing. Um, you know, I learned so much from my kids. And, you know, forever, and when we were raising them, when they were younger, it was all about teach, 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 and and now it's like um, tables turning, and, and I'm, you know, my, my son, right, who I mentioned before, you know, kind of the I'll wait till the last minute, um, he's also got a bit of that rebel streak in him, <laughs> you know. If uh, he, he hears Governor DeWine saying, okay, mandatory mask, he's the one that would stand up and say, well... You can't make me wear a mask. That's not a past law. That's just you setting an order, right? So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I, I have to typically with him, I, I can't just say, I can't confront. I have to, well, do, do you mind if we pause for a little bit and kind of let's think about that? You, you may have a point. It's not a law. You're right. You're right. However, is it worth the trouble and the battle if, you're out and about, and you've like made this stand. I'm not wearing a mask, or I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. If somebody or law enforcement confronts you about it, or you know, if someone who's elderly that just had to be out at the same time you were out because they had no other choice, mm-hmm. and the potential of what that might mean for them, or <laughs> which has happened, somebody that's very strongly pro mask beat you up. I mean, there's all kinds <laughs> yes. of analogy or, or or comparisons here. But I find, uh, and, I, and I don't think my son is alone in this, uh, not to pick on him. So Grant, if you're listening, it's not dad picking on you. Um, I know a number of people, it's that they, they, they haven't practiced the art of slowing down enough to go to consequential. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and maybe that's for another podcast, but certainly um, I think that's that's a part of this. And it doesn't take forever, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what, six seconds or so? Yeah. To give it a little time? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Count to 10. Count to 10. <laughs> All right. So what about uh, navigate emotions? I think this one is really important right now because we are navigating so many emotions dealing with this, and most of them are heightened. You know, mm. you know the, the, they're concentrated. I, don't, I can't think of the right term. but I the, hear. I mean, I think uh, of intensity. Intensity, yes. You good know? word. Uh, so being able to navigate those, know, knowing how to, to get through them, and I always use this analogy when we're talking about this. You know, your GPS can't get you somewhere unless it knows where it is. So that's the emotional literacy. Understand what you're feeling, mm-hmm. and then you can start to navigate it. If you don't do that first step, right? You know, you're going to get lost. Yeah. So yeah, being able to navigate these emotions right now um, in yourself, but I think also as important is the other people. If you're wearing your mask and you know somebody is very blatantly not wearing their mask. Mm-hmm. How am I going to navigate that? Yeah. Do I get angry and confront them or do I just go walk away? Yeah. You know. So so learning how to navigate the emotions. Uh you know, if I am feeling that intense pressure because of those things we mentioned, what can I do to get past it, get through it? Is or, it a case, Jeff? Um can emotions navigate us if we don't navigate them? Oh, very much so. And that, that's, that's where you're not being conscious of it. You don't take that, you know, counting to 10 time. Uh, that's when you're reacting to things, mm-hmm. and that's when they uh, will guide, you know. I don't want to say guide you. They'll push you yeah. to things you probably don't want to do or have happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Um Next up is engage intrinsic motivation. In this case, in, in, intrinsic motivation is what is driving you from the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let all this stuff that you're that we're seeing, hearing, reading, being exposed to drive you to make decisions or drive you to take actions. Let what you think is important drive you. And if you do that, you really happen to stop and, and take that time to to look at what it what is your core, what are the things, beliefs that you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you believe that you know you don't want to hurt someone, then you won't go out and deliberately, you know, not wear a mask to annoy people, which is a lot of what people are doing now almost, I think, you know, to try to prove a point. So it's it's uh what is at the core of who you are, mm-hmm. and don't lose sight of that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's powerful. Uh, because the opposite of that is extrinsic, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the things outside of us, uh, circumstances, situations, people potentially. Don't let Facebook make your decisions. No. Oh. <laughs> or there, Twitter or LinkedIn. Social or, media. Yes. There's, there's another episode. <laughs> um so how about uh, one of my favorites, exercise optimism? You, you want to keep your eye on what's going to, you know, what is the thing I want? How do I want this to turn out? How do you think it's going to turn out? Uh, you don't want to be a cheerleader and, you know, just say everything is fine because it's not. But keep looking ahead at uh, things. You know, you might want to look at something like, okay, we're stuck at home. So mm-hmm. 
maybe I can get a family hobby going. Be optimistic about something like that, you know, something that the whole family could take part in, you know, wh- whatever. But it's it's keeping your eye on the positive thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Realistically. Realistic, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I know that, I mean, you know, America, um, you know, there was a time when you had one form of media, and now we're in this place where there's certainly two, maybe even more, that's pushing all these different messages at us daily. Mm-hmm. And and for the most part, they're, they're fairly negative in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they they capitalize, if you will, on fear, right? Um, I would just say that in exercising optimism, exercise is a it, – it's, it's basically implying that you're moving. You're mm-hmm. doing something. Right. You're, you're building something. So think of it in the terms of – being in a gym and lifting weights. If you're lifting weights, you're doing it, you're exercising muscle to Mm -hmm. grow that muscle, right? And I think in the age we live in, if we're not careful, those sources of media will begin to take hold. And if may I say it, dominate you to a place of where your optimism becomes very, very, very small. Because Jeff... The one person dying from a virus or one person dying from cancer or from fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. it's a tragedy. It's a Mm -hmm. human being. It's somebody's mother, somebody's brother, cousin, friend, wife, fill in the blank. That said, right now, the United States anyway, and quite frankly, most of the world, we're not in this place of this great apocalyptic doom that sometimes if you're not careful, the media might be kind of influencing to think that we're just a step away from the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, what is the old the statement they used to say about television news? If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. I don't know, a, yeah. I know what, what you would have if it coughs or something I, that you could say. I don't know yeah. what it would be. But yeah. And I'm not, I'm not here uh, – to condemn social media, mainstream media, old world media, anything like that. I'm just saying I can see it very clearly, the influence of it. And what we all have to be is to be aware and know that when we're hearing constant messaging that says, be pessimistic, be pessimistic, be pessimistic, uh, that's, not a, that's not a good, healthy place to be. You know, to me, pessimis- pessimism... Is very draining, negative, oh. and healthy optimism gives power, gives strength, gives you energy. And so we're getting the energy sucked out of us all the time. You know, Jeff, that is uh, such a powerful statement because I, I think about it in these times in 2020 where I have fallen into the trap of the, I call it, you know, the feed frenzy. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at one thing after another, another story, another comment, another another opinion, another opinion, another comment, another story. And you're right. It's like after all, you're going, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm like, I'm so tired. And it's like I don't want to hear another word about fill in the blank, right? Mm-hmm. And that's an Eric problem. That's not Jeff's problem. That's not our producer Brett's problem. It's an Eric problem. I made the choice. So optimism 
Could it possibly help me to come out from that spiral? Yeah, I think it can because, you know, optimism, being optimistic, you're looking forward to a good result. Uh, And you've got the consequential thinking there mm -hmm. to help you understand that, wait a minute, there is some value for me of coming out of this spiral of pessimism and things of that nature. So these competencies don't just work unto themselves. They are kind of intertwined. Well, yeah, because we're intertwined. Yes. Uh, Intrinsic motivation, you you know, you you all of a sudden go, man, I, I am so pessimistic and that's not who I am. So mm. intrinsic motivation, you know, all these things, uh, patterns. You recognize a pattern. I'm falling into that pattern again. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they are – it's all one thing, but you have – you know, we have to divide them out so we can, you know, give more substance to okay, it. Okay, so music warning analogy. Okay. Uh, I say it that way. Music analogy warning, <laughs> Jeff. It kind of reminds me of the symphony. Mm-hmm. You know, there's multiple parts, mm-hmm. multiple instruments. Um, and what I love is that, you know, you've seen those um, videos, uh, and maybe even if you've attended a concert, when we had concerts, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the symphony is, they're warming up, and it sounds like total chaos. Uh-huh. And then the conductor begins, and then it's just this beautiful, harmonized mm-hmm. music, right? And I think in many respects, you know, that's kind of like these competencies, you know, Recognize patterns is not designed to do what consequential thinking is designed to do. Right. That is not navigate emotions, but when they are together, they bring about this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, in the most basic part of music is a chord. Each one of those notes in a chord yes. combined together, and it, not, it might not be that one instrument that's providing all those notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorites as well is the competency of increased empathy. Um, with increased empathy, yeah, we, we want to feel empathetic for the, the people around us, uh, you know, when that person is refusing to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Give them some empathy. They might be one of the few that really can't wear a mask because of COPD or, or some medical condition. But Jeff, what if I don't like it that they're, that they're doing it? And what if I, I lost my grandmother three months ago from COVID and they're doing that and that's not right? <laughs> That's tough, Eric, but you still need to try to put yourself in that other person's place. Yeah. You know, we we don't always have to like what somebody is doing, mm-hmm. but we need to try to understand why. And if you're increasing empathy, if you're feeling empathetic for that other person, your best thing to do is just let it go. Yeah, and and you know that's that's really powerful. Uh, I, I had a. Because I know sometimes we think about empathy, it has more of a warm and fuzzy, uh, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I feel bad for that person, and, you know, I had that situation, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's more, even more strategic than that, because to, to what you're saying, it's like you're actually, you're, you're overtly, uh, proactively using empathy, mm-hmm. and maybe in a good, selfish way, so that you're not getting tangled up with all of the, that can come, Mm-hmm. by being in a situation like that. Um, and one thing that I would tell the audience as well, remember uh, the, the power of curiosity, mm. the, the power of trying to understand as many angles as you can before you come to a judgment. Right. I had this conversation with a law enforcement professional um, 
it was a podcast maybe a month ago, and we got to talking about some of the situations um, that have occurred in 2020 as it relates to law enforcement and, um, in this case, with African-American males. And um, we were just conversing about, you know, it's tough, you know, you, you, your reaction time, and, you know, we want you our people to use emotional intelligence. And then we both kind of came to this conclusion around sometimes you may not know what that maybe young man was taught about interacting with the police. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was growing up, I was taught when the police officer asks you a question, there's only two words that you should use, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. But that was my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Jeff, what about somebody else's who, well, number one, my dad wasn't around, and my mom worked two jobs. No one ever said to me, this is how you interact with a police officer. Schools right. weren't teaching it. No. Right? Um, so, though that does not excuse breaking the law or bad behavior right. on both sides, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. It does help you understand a bit more like, oh, they're not doing that because they're just trying to be a pain. They may be doing because they really don't know. You know, this is a ex really extreme example of what we're talking about. Uh, I had a discussion. This is several years ago. We were talking about terrorism. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody had uh, went into a mall or something. This is some. It was in Europe, someplace, and blew himself up. And they couldn't understand why. And then I brought up the point of that's what they were taught is normal behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I, I would stress, I, there's no excusing for doing things of that nature mm -hmm. or breaking the law. Right. However, until we get to a place of where we can use empathy to build the understanding, right. can we then address the situation? I, I looked at this, Jeff, with George Floyd, for mm -hmm. example, Minneapolis, right? And it, it came out after the fact that he had a, significant amount of fentanyl in him. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's familiar with fentanyl and what that does and does to the respiratory system, mm -hmm. for the life of me, I and, and maybe those cops didn't care, but I would think like, oh, wait a minute. He's talking about he can't breathe. He was talking about I can't breathe even before the interaction with the officer that killed him. Would empathy go, wait a minute, fentanyl, that's a sign of fentanyl there. Let's back off here. We don't, we're not dealing with this hardened person who's going to pull. And, and I'm not trying to say, audience, please, <laughs> no comments, no, no notes to us <laughs> saying, you're not a police officer. You don't understand. My point is not to say that this is what they should have done. But for me, when I found that information out, my empathy kicked into going, I get it. I get that. Because mm -hmm. someone who's on fentanyl, that that can be a byproduct. Mm -hmm. Wow. So all of a sudden, my eyes are open. Versus, right, typically one or two responses mm -hmm. in that situation. Oh, he's just another. And that, yeah, you know, this is what happens out there. Or someone else who says, you don't understand, police officer. But wait a minute. When you make that comment, did you, ex did you exhaust your curiosity? You know, 
uh, our friends Jim and Lynette mm-hmm. who, who work with us, uh, they're big and I agree with them on something called non-dualistic thinking. Mm. This is way off the path, but we've done that before. <laughs> it's a loud audience, so hang with us. There's non-dualistic thinking and dualistic thinking. Right. Uh, dualistic thinking is there is yes and no, yeah. right or wrong. Yeah. There's no options. Non-dualistic thinking is what you're talking about, where now that I think about it, that sh- you know, should have been thought about. You know, there there was there was more than one answer to what was going yeah. on. Yeah, that, um, that's that's great, Jeff. And I I I think it's very interesting. And and I use this with our clients, is that I'm not talking about exhaust curiosity so that you can just wipe stuff away. Mm-hmm. You can make a judgment. Judgment's okay. All right. I made a judgment coming here today. Where am I going to park? I, there was multiple meters available to me. But I wanted to be at the one that was closest to the intersection so that when I leave, I can just pull straight out. I did the same thing. <laughs> okay. You made a judgment. Yes. Now, you came to that judgment by exhausting your options, right? You kind of said, well, at least I did there. I was thinking, well, if I just park at any of these, you know, who knows? Maybe you got three or four cars that come in and then there's one behind me. And then I'm in that terrorized situation of <laughs> how do I pull out? Can I back in, back up, back in? You know, that kind of thing. So it's not that judgment is is bad. It's just, and I, I'm going to be bold here to say, I just wish everyone would just, before I'm going to make a judgment, I'm going to exhaust the curiosity factor. I'm going to exhaust the non-dualistic thing mm-hmm. so that when I do make the judgment, though I'm not perfect, I can at least go, I didn't just rashly say, oh, that's that. Oh, that's that's who they are. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. That's, that's them. And then close the door when you're making such a, a monumental decision that potentially is based on so little information. Um, uh, one, one more thing that I want to mention yeah, about it. Go go on. We always forget this, and I don't know how many times I've been when I'm doing a debrief or something with someone, when I ask them if they have empathy for themselves. Ah, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff. Most people have never considered that. So, so give yourself a break in this. You know, especially if you're feeling the anxiety or whatever, you go. That's normal. If if I wasn't feeling this, <laughs> that would be a whole different story. I'm I I recognize that this is a normal reaction to what's happening. Then move forward from it. It doesn't make you a bad person. No. It doesn't make you weak. And exhausting curiosity to come to a conclusion with other people is the same for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Be curious about well, why did I lose my temper? Why is it that I don't feel like getting up? What what what? What's causing this? I, you know, what have I been going through? Mm-hmm. And realize that as much as uh, this thing drives me nuts about our culture, at least here in America, this idea that everybody's doing great. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody has a, the world by the tail. Can I just say to everyone out there, and you, we all know it's true, no one has it all together. Yeah. No one has it by the tail. I can remember watching The Sopranos, and, and Tony Soprano would always talk about Gary Cooper, how mm. nothing bothered him, and he was always fine to what the situation was. And that's, that's kind of what you're talking about is, you know, this cowboy mentality that I can handle anything on my own. You know, all I need is my horse and my gun, and 
You know, it's funny, <laughs> uh, Jeff, you mentioned that. Uh, you think, I'm thinking about Hollywood. I, I saw a, a clip of an interview uh, with Howard Stern. He was interviewing Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Rock here recently had come out and talked about how um, there were a lot of m- mental emotional issues he hadn't dealt with mm-hmm. from way, way back. Mm-hmm. And he was, I, I think he was talking about the importance of mental health and how he was seeing a, a, a psychiatrist or psychologist. And in this interview, um, I don't know if Stern was kind of like, like, wow, really? I, I didn't realize that about you. But Chris Rock basically said, when it comes to my craft, the work I do, he said, I'm the baddest mother yeah. there is. Everything else, I am totally high insecurities. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I can. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching this. This is Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. He's one of the funniest men on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. But he's basically out there saying, don't believe all of it because it's not. Now, I admire him for the courage to like speak that because that's that's pretty vulnerable that's vulnerability on display yeah he he was giving himself empathy which is he wasn't feeling sorry for himself yeah yeah he, that he, acknowledgement of this is where i'm at this is who i am yeah mm-hmm. yeah very powerful all right jeff so the last one pursue noble i get my words working today pursue noble goals. Okay, well noble goal is it's what what's at the uh core of you. It's it's what drives you, it's what makes you who you are. And I think if you're pursuing that noble goal, if you're really working on this thing that that you have developed for yourself that is the the driving force that mm-hmm. that causes you to do all the things that you do, uh if you can stick with that, it's going to help you through this because it's going to be part of that that driving force, like I just said, to uh, help you get through things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my noble goal is to help people find the art in themselves. So I can do that. You know, if uh, somebody is feeling down and I know them, I can I can talk about what I see in them mm-hmm. or what I see in myself, too, because it, it, you got to keep focusing on yourself. If you're not healthy, you can't have the, help right, other people. Right, right. So just if you can focus on that noble goal and keep that in the front of your mind, uh, you'll be able to get through this and actually probably help other people too. So I think about that, uh, Jeff, in, in the spirit of, um, and, I, and I've told our clients this as we get to the competency of Pursue Noble Goals, is that one way, it's not the only way, but one way that you can find out or get a real strong clue about what your noble goal is is dwell on the things that break your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that originally I, I, I heard that from Andy Stanley, um, that that oftentimes is an indicator of mm. what what your purpose and, and mission is on this planet, is the thing that breaks your heart. And um, I want to let you talk a little bit more about Pursue Noble Goals, if, if you like. I also want to touch on this whole idea about practice. Right. Um, so can I do that now, or do you, what else on pursuitable goals? I, I think what you said, I, I, we, I wish you would have shared that earlier. I like that idea 
of helping people develop their noble goal. Well, and, you know, I, I know in the past podcast episodes, uh, there is specifically one on mm-hmm. uh, noble goals, which we, again, recommend go back, do a search, uh, the episodes uh, to find that. But I got to thinking as we're going through these, and I'm, I'm putting myself in audience in your shoes, and I'm out there listening, and I'm going, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that sounds right. Boy, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Boy, that's a good idea. Boy, I never thought of that. Well, it always comes down to, Jeff, well, how do I do that? <laughs> so you, you mentioned something offline about practice, so, right. and I've got some ideas around it too. So what do you think for that person that says, everything you're saying sounds great, and I would agree with most of it, but so how do I do this? You, do, you practice it. You, you work on it. Uh, you, you become conscious of it in your interactions with other people, interactions with yourself. Um, start but, small or start big? Start small probably. Okay. Uh, you know, start with trying to work on your emotional literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I feeling and why am I feeling that? That's probably – well, that is where you have to start. <laughs> Yeah, and and for the audience as well, I want to tell everyone that um, we have tons of resources uh, on our website. Um, Again, you can review past podcast episodes, our YouTube channel. We we have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, and there are a lot of things out there that you can grab that can Mm -hmm. kind of assist you in that process. And even reaching out to us directly. Um, to to if if it's like enhanced emotional literacy you're wondering about, you can send us an email and we can point you to some things. Mm-hmm. But go ahead, you, you were saying. Too. But the thing about we have to remember about practice is the reason you practice is you're trying to get better. And mm-hmm. you know we okay here's our sports analogy. Okay. Michael Jordan kept practicing until he re- well even probably after he retired mm-hmm. to become better you know he was he's considered one of the you know best ever basketball players yeah but he kept practicing because he knew he was not as good as he could be so you just have to keep practicing but remember that you're going to have some failures along the way you know michael jordan missed easy shots yeah absolutely absolutely and and so, but he recognized that, and don't dwell on that. You know, it's it's like uh, a relief pitcher or a defensive back in football. That last failure, they have to quit thinking about it. Yeah, to be able to move on. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's something else that I thought about too, Jeff, is that um, when you are endeavoring to do something, maybe for the first time, there's that resistance. Um, I think we have a podcast episode around neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend to people the first few segments of you practicing are going to be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's going to be frustrating, right? If you would just hang in there, just hang in there and don't give up, eventually you'll start to get momentum because neural pathways really briefly and Jeff add some flavor if if (laughs) you need to. We build those probably from the earliest of ages. (laughs) It's, it's basically our way of how we're going to navigate the world. Exactly. Um, I, I, it's, this is kind of funny, but I grew up, my parents lived through the the depression Mm -hmm. and they were not cheap. We we always had what we needed. It, it yeah. wasn't like we, you know we were bad growing up yeah. in the sixties and 
things like that. But they were good at budgeting the money. Yeah. And growing up, when I grew up, the pair of shoes you wanted to have were a pair of black Chuck Taylor Converse. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were probably back then $12. And Keds were $8. So guess which shoe I always had. Yeah. Every year I'd ask for it and every year I got turned down. And I'm 63 now, so when I was about 60, I was having this conversation with my daughter because she loves those kind of shoes and she'd worn them out and she's going to have to buy them. And I still had in my head, I couldn't have those. Mm. And then she goes, Dad, you can buy your own now. And I go, I can. So I went right out and bought a pair. <laughs> and the f- interesting thing, right, about that, though that one maybe is a little easier than someone who's trying to manage, mm-hmm. you know, learning more about emotions and, and gaining more literacy around it. Again, the upfront pain is typically where people most of the time give up, mm-hmm. is in that window of time. But if you can hang in there, you can build new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. In your case, I can buy Converse now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why I can't. They're not $12 anymore. Oh, but. <laughs> no. i certain. Um, and that new neural pathway will become your norm, just like the old neural pathway. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality, I know there's some debate in the neuroscience world about can you destroy the old neural pathway or, or do they always remain? I tend to land on the side that once you have the neural pathway, you have the neural pathway. Now, I use the freeway analogy. If I said that, you know, the way I'm going to come is I'm just going to take urban city streets to get here, Jeff would probably say to me, Eric, that's why we have freeways. It's a lot faster. It's going to take you double the time if all you're doing is traveling through urban city streets. Okay. Well, if you want your life to be better, if you want to be better emotional literacy, Build a neural pathway that looks like a freeway, not like an urban city street. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the urban city streets are bad. It's not a judgment on that. It just says, I found a better way to live, a better way to think. And I think one thing to think about now with all these these pressures that we're dealing with that Mm -hmm. are specific to 2020, those are relatively new neural pathways. They're not Mm -hmm. worn in as much. Yeah. Yeah. So... They might be easier to change than ones that have been there for, you know, 40 years. And I would tell you, uh, anyone in the audience that has found some inspiration here in this episode to, to not give up and to be committed to the practice, trust me, you, you, you will be rewarded accordingly to that work. Um, and that's the power of emotional intelligence. So, Jeff... Part two, oh, I won't give it away. We'll just wait to part two and we'll talk about All it. Right. So it'll be a continuation of some of these things around the being under pressure. Um, I did mention to our producer, Brett, could we find some way to get that Queen song in there? But I'm sure that costs a lot of money. So hum it in your heads. Imagine what it was like. It's a great song. Well, one of us can bring our bass in and just do the dun 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 Yes, very, very constant. John Deacon, if I'm remembering, right? Yes, all right, all right. So everyone, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to being with you again in the next episode. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So 
How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. You think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All right. But but still, we want your feedback. We want your feedback. But it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based And it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.